Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? What up, Josh? Oh, just, um, you know, enjoying the evening with you, my friend. <laughs> Going on, I don't know, four hours here. You love it. You just finished Where some else of your you, favorite songs. Where else would you rather be than sitting here with me? Oh, I could think of one one place in particular. <laughs> <laughs> in the arms of a woman. My woman. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, a woman or your, or your wife? No, Chad just shared his whole Luke Combs playlist with me. He Listen, said it was his... Um, palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just did another podcast, and so now we're doing this one. But we had to cleanse our palate before we got into this. Yeah, you can't just go straight into a brand. It worked for you. You came up with a great idea. Yeah, I think. We'll see. <laughs> um, okay, but here's my question. So, this is episode nine mm-hmm. of this podcast, although only seven are out right now. We're recording this beforehand. Mm-hmm. So, I've been on the evangelism multiplication journey with mm-hmm. you, my discipler, for about eight weeks now. I mean, mm-hmm. longer than that. Like, you've yeah. been discipling for a couple of years, but we've really, we started this Ironman group January <clears throat> and... um we have just been very intentional. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been like a intensive course. Um, and I don't know if the, we can maintain the rhythm that we're doing now, but the, I think the point is, and you can disagree with me, but to just to show you what's possible mm-hmm. and to hopefully catch the vision to continue doing it the rest of your life. Right. It's just to get um, people seeing that, you know, Making disciples is not rocket science. It's the mandate God gave us. And so it's very doable. Most of the time we have to break through fear barriers or whatever to just go after it. And so Ironman groups are just designed to push beyond the fear and and do it in a way that then you're allowing God to work through you. And when you see God using you, in the way that he says he will and he shows up in the way his, the scripture says it. Scripture comes alive. You feel like you're doing exactly what God's created you for because it is what God created you for. And then the confidence comes not in yourself but in the Lord. And so once that happens, it's that's a lifetime. Well, and that's what I was going to comment on. So I've always felt like I have lacked in the realm of theology. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was first saved in high school, like we would always do Bible studies and there were some guys that would always like debate certain things and they were always, they would always throw out names and I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? I know now they were like, mm-hmm. it was like Calvin and who does Arminian? Who's that? John Wesley? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I just remember all these names and I'm <laughs> like, what does all that mean? And so I was always a little like insecure about mm-hmm. But because I really wasn't interested, mm-hmm. but I was still insecure because I felt like I needed to know those things. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I ain't never gonna have time to 
or the desire to really know it the, as well as they do. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like hurt my witness maybe because I just felt ill-equipped, you know, but I also felt like because I wasn't smart enough or um, I didn't have the time to research, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I just couldn't catch up, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I just ignored it. And mm-hmm. I always thought I was ignoring a big part of my faith. But I say all that to say this, that since I've been doing Ironman groups and really being intentional about sharing the gospel Mm -hmm. with those in my world, because I love them, because I have compassion, because I want to see them, their lives transformed the way Christ transformed my life um, with the truth of the gospel. Mm -hmm. I feel like I haven't needed theology. Well, that's not true. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) What you realize is as we not only are hearers of the word, as James would say, but to be doers of the word, what you're finding is Why aren't your earphones on, bro? The theology works. Someone put on a new hat. Oh, cool. Um, So hearers of the word, doers of the word. Right. So many people, I think, find a comfort in theology itself when you really understand that theology is about the study of God and when we see God rightly then we uh, want to go and do as he's called us to do theology is not meant to be something that's done in a vacuum of just learning for knowledge's sake the whole purpose of learning or seeing God better or understanding who God is better is so that we would love God more and then therefore want others to know God more Mm-hmm. The Great Commission is that we would go and make disciples. God gets glory. He created us to be image bearers. And so and that, that's all of mankind. So he gets glory when when his creation becomes uh, in a relationship with him, right? Yeah. And so theology is meant to be for a purpose. And the purpose is not for self gratification or self um, puffing up you know Paul warns against that 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 knowledge if it's prideful can own, can just puff up instead of what does that mean um, as you put on this hat <laughs> for the last two minutes <laughs> I wanted to wear our Josh got me a new change up hat so I'm trying to wear it while we're doing uh, it doesn't look too bad it's not terrible yeah, I'll I'll put it on Instagram. Um, yeah, knowledge can puff up when it's for self righteous purposes. Meaning, wow. meaning just um, trying to find. Uh, I think it's a, a, out of an insecurity and pride. Right, insecurity means I don't feel like I'm good enough to do what God has called me to do. I'm afraid of the risk that's involved with putting myself out there with my faith. And so I can overcompensate through learning more and more about God and feel like that is what is maturity, meaning I've, I'm coming to an enlightenment of myself. So therefore it's self-righteousness and I feel good about my faith but that's not how God designed it. If we're created as image bearers of God, the whole purpose of our being is to is to bear the image of God to other people, so that other people would see God and come to know God, mm-hmm. right? And so, but then we have to 
know who God is more too, right? So mm-hmm. we have to learn who he sure. is. I think the greatest picture in scripture is Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah, who's a prophet, comes in a in a vision before the Lord and sees God in his fullness and his glory. Um, he sees the angels who couldn't even look upon God hiding their face with their wings and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. His, his the whole earth is full of his glory, you know. And his reaction is to say, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, he, he comes to the end of himself. And this is a prophet who's who by human standards is holy, right? Mm-hmm. But in the holiness of God, he, he sees God rightly, so therefore he sees himself rightly. And he says, I'm undone. But then God says, who will I send? And Isaiah's immediate response is, send me. He could do nothing but serve God and want to go share God with other people. Yeah. So when you see God rightly, it, it should produce, if you're doing it in a way of like, you're actually trying to see God and be humbled, it should produce a desire to share God with other people. Right. Well, then what I feel like happened... It's almost like you were teaching me theology without all the words because now you have me reading this like incredibly difficult book by Bruce Ware. <laughs> like I have never read a book with so many words that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's got some pretty like intense mm-hmm. uh, concepts, theological concepts because he, isn't he a seminary professor? Yeah, for sure. And he's super smart. At uh, Southern Theological Seminary, Bruce Ware. He's very thorough. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, <clears throat> he says everything like multiple times, so you get it. Mm-hmm. But I realize, like, even though these concepts are like, I don't know all the words. I'm not familiar with all the words because mm-hmm. he's like making them up. I feel like <laughs> the point is up. like, I get it though because yeah. I've already been taught. It's like he's giving me words to mm-hmm. express what I've kind of learned, right? You know, through you, be, you discipling me. Um, but maybe some people go at it. The other way around. Sure. They learn the words first instead of the the actual concepts from living a life right. out for the Lord. Well, the reason why I assigned Bruce Ware's book to my counseling class is because he's one of my favorite professors when it comes to systematic theology. Because systematic theology, if if you're not careful, it can produce this puffed up knowledge, self-righteousness, because you're learning these deep concepts of God, but... If separated from the purpose, it can produce self-righteousness. And he's a great professor in the sense of, he always says, like, as you see God more, it should produce more desire to serve God. Like, it should produce a, a greater love for God and love for people. It shouldn't be in a vacuum in a way that just makes you feel good about yourself because you know more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not an academic exercise or practice it's supposed to be to see and understand god more rightly so that we we can go and share him more effectively with other people Mm -hmm. and so but god is so big that it's tough to even explain the mysteries of god and and who he is because you know the bible can't even hold all the mysteries of god right right and so um but as you dig deeper into that it should produce, as it has in you, a desire to really see other people know the true God and, and understand the Bible rightly. Mm-hmm. But the Bible talks about, you know, we've been 
studying through Romans in our Ironman group, and we're in Romans chapter 8. And we were talking about this this morning, and I think this is such a true thing for us to see, which is um, he talks about the law a lot, and he's talking to the church in a Roman, the Roman church in Rome. In Rome. Right. Not Roman. Roman, yeah, that's right. Got him. You got me. <laughs> and it's mixed with Gentiles and people who were not Jewish, who had come to know the Lord, mixed with Jewish, now uh, Messianic Jews, uh, Jewish Jews who believe in the Savior in, in Christ. And so it's, this church is mixed with that. And so he's helping to bring about an equality based upon the gospel because the Jews are coming from a place of the law, and trying to find righteousness in the law. Of course, the Gentiles are coming from a place of no law, right? And so in chapter 7, he's talking about how the law really just points out our sin and shows us our sin. The purpose of the law was to show us how unholy we are and how holy the law of God is and our, and our lack of being able to uphold the law perfectly, right? Our flesh constantly falls short of the law, right? And then he comes into chapter 8, where it talks about there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death meaning the law of God had shown how our how the law of sin our own sin couldn't uphold the holy law of God therefore that's why Christ had to come and die and defeat sin and death so that we now those who believe in Christ are not condemned because of Christ's ability to uphold the law fully for us on our behalf. And so now we live by the law of the Spirit, meaning we have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And that's our seal. Ephesians 1 talks about um, that shows that we are God's, even though we're not perfect and complete, right? And so then he talks about in Romans 8, he talks about for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to the God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And in context, knowing who he's talking to, it's easy for us to see the hedonistic side, those who just live for the flesh in a very self-pleasurable way of maybe a more traditional lost person, you would think, you know, who's pursuing, pursuing lust or pursuing drugs or pursuing, you know, getting drunk or whatever the case may be, what we would think traditionally. But that same statement, he's also speaking, if we look at that context, to those who would go the other route of self-righteousness, right? That are still living for the flesh, who are trying to uphold the law in their own flesh to be righteous on their own accord and not trusting and submitting to the law of God. And I know that sounds complicated, but we see that a lot to where... Those who are insecure in their flesh but want to still be in control of their life can use even God's word to be self-righteous. As I grow more and more in my theological endeavors, I can be puffed up in knowledge and feel like I'm good on my own accord because I know so much about theology or or God's word or I'm better than those in the world or whatever the case may be and be self-righteous and more and moral but still not submitting to the law of God which which it requires a humility mm-hmm. and a faith you know what i mean what's well, like you're trying to do through the word for yourself what 
it says in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit's doing for us right. and in us. Right. For those who try to, to find their righteousness through upholding the law will always fail, right? But we see it often um, in our circles where people don't want to put themselves out there and truly trust God and be faithful to the Lord in sharing their faith or loving people well or forgiving. But in their insecurity to feel better about their own faith, they would do something like, well, I'm going to learn about Calvinism. I'm going to learn about all these these things that these professors in seminary have taught me, and I'm going to be an expert in that way, and I'm going to feel good about my faith because I know all these truths, and I can recite these truths, and I can debate these truths. But while doing that, I'm negating the simple commands of the Lord of being faithful, of making a disciple, of sharing my faith, of loving my neighbor, mm-hmm. of of spending time with those who are who are lost and sinful in order to to share the truth with them. But instead they would reject those people and not associate with those people and feel like they are more righteous. And we see this in cultural Christianity all the time, to where we create these I call them holy huddles. I feel good about my faith because I know so much about Scripture, yet Scripture has no power in my life in the sense of producing a going and doing. Yeah. Right? And so essentially... When you're surrounded by a bunch of people that are like-minded, right. so it just gives you that confirmation yeah. bias that what you believe is true. Yeah, and you can feel really good about it, but you essentially do what James says in chapter 1 of you're a hearer of the Word and even a knower of the Word, but not a doer of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you almost put those like simple commands of scripture as secondary. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have time to do those because you're busy learning. Right. But not being a doer of the word is condemning because knowing God and seeing God rightly always should produce an exercising of the of your faith mm-hmm. of doing. I mean, Christ's greatest commandment or his great commission, I should say. What he told his disciples before he ascended into heaven was to go and make disciples. And that was predicated on the fact that he's, he has all authority and that he would be with us. Mm-hmm. It's about him doing it through us. But when you go into the self-righteous mode, it's, about, it's still about you being in charge of your life. You're just really using scripture or the law or morality to make yourself feel better about yourself. Right. And that's still just as sinful and, and possibly just as lost. Even though you look like a Christian who knows something, it doesn't necessarily show the fruit of someone who truly knows the gospel because someone who truly knows the gospel knows that, man, I can't ever uphold this law perfectly. And I need Christ. And his grace compels me to go and share his grace with other people. It produces a humility, not a self-righteousness. Yeah. So... If you have a self-righteousness and you feel good about yourself and you feel good about knowing more about Scripture, that should cause a, a little bit of a fear in you because that's evidence. That's also an evidence of not truly knowing Christ. So is that the line you're like, because I know like pre-Christ, you're a pretty arrogant guy. Sure. So now here you are, saved, going mm-hmm. through college, like you feel the call in your life to go to seminary. Sure. So now you're going through seminary, there's a line, is there a line where you're kind of like, 
okay, am I going to go be a Pharisee or am I going to be a doer of the word? Like, mm. what does that look like and how do you guard against it to like maintain that right. that righteous path? <clears throat> you know, I'm super thankful and this is all God, but I never went down the the um, path of, of, one, of caring a ton about um, theological camps. Mm-hmm. Meaning like I'm a Calvinist, I'm an Arminianist. I'm going to debate about Calvinism versus Arminianism. Um, because I think of my past and before Jesus, I, I really lived a very hedonistic lifestyle. I've made a lot of mistakes. And so I was always super grateful for Christ saving me. And I knew how much I didn't deserve it. And so, and I had great disciples who truly taught me that making other disciples or going and sharing my faith was the best thing that I could do. And even though it was scary, it was a fruit of truly knowing Christ. So I'm super thankful that that was my experience. But I went to seminary and I was around a lot of people who found a lot of worth in those debates. And I just didn't quite, to be honest, I didn't quite understand it because I knew that that kind of attitude would never have reached a guy like me. Mm-hmm. And I needed the gospel more than anybody else. I'm thankful for the humility of of the guy who led me to Christ, Josh Duncan, who didn't come with an arrogance of of he was better than me, but he came with a of a servant's heart of man. I just want you to know and see the the true King of the world, God, right, Jesus. I just want you to know God, mm-hmm. and he had that kind of humility, which which God used to draw me in. And so I always wanted to emulate that. And I never quite understood, even though I, I believe theology is super important. The study of God is super important because the more I see God, the more I'm able to articulate and help other people see God and give wise answers for the, the struggles they're going through. So for me, theology was always for a purpose. It was not, and it was not for the purpose of me feeling better about myself. It was for me being able to, help and explain to others who God truly is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seen that other side to where I used to think like maybe I was missing something or maybe I just didn't quite fit in. But as I understand and read scripture, I think what I'm seeing in, in that way when when the goal is to just know more, to be puffed up. You know, Paul talks about in, um, in 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about that idea of being puffed up in a way of um, almost condemning in a way, not not to shame, but to just point out truth, which is, he says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I, and this is Paul who's speaking, who lived as a Pharisee, who knew the law backwards and forwards before he came to the Lord. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, right? And if I have um, prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove, as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. That's a big statement. If you had the faith to move mountains, if you had all powers and prophetic powers, and you could speak in all tongues of men, like if you had this high knowledge, but it was absence absent from the love of Christ, that it would be worthless, that, it would, that he considers it nothing. I think that's a, that's a big warning to us, 
that knowledge itself is not the goal. And even if you understand all the scriptures and all the theologies that we need to understand, but it's absent from a genuine love of Christ and a genuine love for other people, that it should be a warning to you, right? Because the Bible is not an academic um, venture, but knowledge should be for a purpose of spreading the gospel, right? He says in verse three, I go on, if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I've gained nothing. And then he goes into the famous love passage, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It is not in, insists on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. He says, as for the prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy, and prophecy in part. But when the, perfect, the, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even, if, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And there's so many things that he's saying in this passage, but he's really condemning the idea of, of self-righteous knowledge alone, even if it's in the scriptures. Even if you're able to prophesy, even if you're able to serve, right, and deliver up your body to be burned, even if you are become a martyr upon the grounds of your of your holding up your knowledge of faith, and it's absent from love, which only Christ gives, it's worthless. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a big warning for us that our faith is not merely uh, a pursuit of knowledge or an ap- academic exercise but it's about humbling ourselves before the Lord and seeing his grace and being so compelled by grace and his love and mercy that we would be um, identified with the love of Christ. That The Bible says that, um, <clears throat> that as you love one another, the other people will know you're my disciples. Uh, John 13, 35, I think it is. And so that idea of love that only comes from Christ, which is is um, identified or defined by a humility and a selflessness. That's the proof of knowing Christ, and that's what's going to compel others to see Jesus, not what you know as much as who you know and what you give away. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, someone may be out there right now, and I mean, maybe it's me. I don't know. <laughs> someone may be asking, okay, you just scared me away from <laughs> from learning any. Any theology. So, but you also painted this picture that I need to know who God is Mm -hmm. and that knowledge will produce humility. So, how do I go about learning who God is? Very simply, the pursuit of theology is an important endeavor when the point of theology is God and not yourself. Okay, so it's just a mindset. Mm -hmm. It's not a content you're looking for a certain a certain um, method it's just right. your mindset when you're learning 
It's when we learn about God on God's terms, not for the purpose of ourself or building ourselves up, but just for truly understanding God and wanting to serve God, period. Mm. And that produces a genuineness, a grace, a love, because when we, when we see how much he's loved us, how much we don't deserve, but how much he has given us, right? That he, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. And we would go and we would, we would lay our lives down for others to glorify God and to, and to love our neighbor as ourself, that we would want other people to see God the way we see him. It's about God, not about us. Mm-hmm. At the root of it, it's about God, not about us. And so when our pursuit of theology is about God, not about us, and about us helping other people see God more rightly, then that's a great pursuit. But when the pursuit of theology is for us and not really about God, that we would leap over simple commands of Scripture to love our neighbor and to make disciples in order to learn higher truths so that we feel better about ourselves, that's dangerous and possibly an evidence of not truly knowing God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hard, especially for those who know a lot about the Bible, to, to even swallow, to say, how could you say I don't know God? But, I mean, the Bible says even the demons know who God, they're better theologians than we are, and they shudder, but they don't, they don't serve God, they don't want to know God, mm-hmm. right? And so self-righteousness, pride is sin, and if it's not producing repentance, humility, a joy in the Lord, a, a desire to share our faith with other people, then we should, as Paul says in, in Philippians, we should approach our faith with fear and trembling. Mm. We shouldn't be so arrogant with it. Well, there's certainly hope. That's for right. us all. Yeah, but if, if that is you and you've been self-righteous, the same hope is for you as for anyone else. Repent and receive God on his terms and humble yourself before the Lord and he'll, he'll save you and he'll use you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Paul was a Pharisee. He knew more about God than anybody else and he was a murderer of Christians. And then he met Jesus and Jesus made him one of the greatest evangelists and started the church among the Gentiles and became one of the apostles. So He's a good theologian. There's plenty of hope. Yeah, excellent theologian. He wrote most of the New Testament, (laughs) right? But Paul even says in Philippians, like, you want to, like, you want to go to -to toe-to-toe? Like, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I was a Jew of the Jews. Like, I had all the credentials, but it was counted rubbish apart from Christ. All-American linebacker, too. First. (laughs) (laughs) No. So I wouldn't put my hope in my knowledge. I'd put my hope in Christ. That's good. And if we truly know Christ, then we're, we're going to want to help other people see Jesus. Right. And so if your pursuit of theology isn't about you really just trying to help people see God more, then you should really question your faith. And so I just really challenge us to think, okay, why am I growing in my faith? You should grow, by the way. Right. You should learn more about God and truly know who he is. I'm not I'm not saying that the pursuit of theology is bad. I'm saying that when it's when it's for yourself and it's for the building up of yourself, you should be very cautious. Yeah. Well that's good. Mm-hmm. Give me five. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, guys. <clears throat> thanks for listening. Hopefully that wasn't too harsh. I don't think it was harsh. No. I think it was loving. I was just being genuine and real. Yeah, you're just being you. <laughs> just being just being Chad. That's All right, me. well, we got to get this sleepy bear to bed. <laughs> so Speak about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> they won't know. That's right. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Give away all I have without love, I give nothing. Give away my body too, without love, I have nothing. Give away all my money, without love, I give nothing. Give away my life for God, without love, that means nothing. Thanks for listening to the Change Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, but most importantly, we hope it helped. And if it did, please share it with a friend or someone you may be discipling. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. You can reach us via either of those channels if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover. We appreciate your guys' support and would also like to thank the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana for hosting and producing this podcast. If you don't have a home church, then please look it up at thefieldnola.com. We're not currently holding services due to the COVID-19 crisis, but if you go to the Field Church on Facebook, you can see all that we are doing for the members. Daily devotionals, daily praying through the Psalms. We have a live streaming of our services on Sunday morning at 1015, and just a bunch more ways to get connected to a very active church body. So thanks again, guys, and be blessed. It never is Love always bends and always believes It holds and endures to the end Because love, it never ends Give away all I have, thou love I give nothing